Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. When Melbourne woman Lydia Abdul-Malik turned up to face court recently, no one would have pegged her as a mastermind of online deception. The 29-year-old, whose own Facebook page is full of pics of wedding fun, drunken mishaps and happy family, looks like your average Aussie. But she's also been found guilty of online stalking in a case that involves multiple victims, a multi-layered world, a home and away star, and sadly, even a death. ABC journalist James Oaten will walk us through the case that shook up his court report a beat and took him down the rabbit hole of online catfishing. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. On the 1st of April, Victorian woman Lydia Abdul-Malik was found guilty of six counts of stalking, but she'd never met some of her victims. Lydia was accused of pulling off a multi-layer catfish scam that involved an Australian actor. James Oates was working as the ABC's court reporter. He knew there was a catfish case coming up, but it was only when the proceedings started that he realised something bigger was happening. The first thing that happened is up comes the television screen, which is what we use when people are kind of giving evidence remotely, whether it's from another state or they're still in prison, for instance. And up on the screen pops Lincoln Lewis. And immediately, like, I recognise that face. What, what is this? And I, I wait for his evidence to be given. So in terms of the actual Lincoln Lewis profile, we know that this person set up a Facebook account. How many people got tricked into this Facebook account, we just don't know. We know that Lincoln Lewis himself became quite concerned. He obviously felt powerless. He would have strangers coming up to him in the street when he was on holiday saying, hey, mate, you know, how are you doing? And Lincoln was like, well, sorry, who are you? What do you mean? It's it's me. We've, we've just been talking. And show Lincoln Lewis the messages and Lincoln will be like, it's not me. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not me. So he's, he, he felt powerless and his identity is being stolen and he doesn't know how many people were being caught out by this. But particularly there's two women which this story has focused on and we've uh, hidden their identities and we're going to call them Emma and Jess. Now, both these women knew the real Lincoln Lewis at some point because people obviously ask me, why would anyone think that Lincoln Lewis is really sending them a message? Well, there was a good reason. Emma went to primary school with Lincoln Lewis. She dated his friend from a few years. So it didn't really seem that unusual. What happened then is that this person started a friendship and then it turned into an online relationship. She tried to meet with this person. It wouldn't happen. But the person would say, look, let's just send photos to each other. Let's talk on Skype. What this person would see was actually on Skype the face of Lincoln Lewis. 
Eventually, she does realise, though, no, there's something really suspicious about this after she's already kind of committed to this online relationship. And that's when through an old uh, friend of hers that she's been out of contact, the real Lincoln Lewis, and that's when the penny dropped, you've been speaking to a fake this entire time. It didn't end there. The fake Lincoln Lewis admitted to being a fake, with then another fake profile stepping in to take the blame. Emma was then approached by a profile pretending to be her ex-boyfriend, and that's when it started to get serious. Emma's getting more and more intense abuse messages. She was getting up to 80 messages a day, and these are quite horrific. You've got no one to help you. We're coming after you. There were threats against her family saying, now that you're overseas, we're going to go to your parents with big guns blazing. How's your depression going? Are you going to kill yourself? Or when are you going to kill yourself? So she's getting this bombardment of messages. She would get late night phone calls and on the line would play love songs. She would receive care packages that have chocolates and teddy bears in them. She was once held hostage on the phone and this person on the line said, if you hang up, we're going to send those intimate photos to your boss. And she was kept on the phone for four hours. Her sister found her under the bedsheets crying, saying, please, please have mercy. So what this catfish has essentially done is created friendly profiles and malicious profiles. And it took a very long time before Emma was essentially learnt the truth, and that was with the police when they finally did catch the person who last week was found guilty of six stalking offences. Police had traced Lydia to phone numbers that had been used to contact the victims. Her IP address was linked to various email accounts that had been used to bypass Optus security measures for someone accessing accounts. The gifts sent to Emma, the chocolates and the teddies, they had Lydia's parents' PO box as the return address. Both Emma and another victim, Jess, had provided hours of recorded conversations between them and the catfish, which police matched to Lydia using voice recognition technology. But it was a sting orchestrated by one of the victims that eventually brought the case undone. Eventually, Jess convinced the catfish to loan her some money. She pretended her phone was broken, she needed some money. And in doing that, convinced the catfish to go to a bank and deposit money. And that's when one of the first, I guess, real glimpses of this person was given to police. And that was the young woman from Melbourne, Lydia Abdul-Malik. In terms of why she did what she did, we just don't know because she was not required to take the stand. She was not required to give evidence. I looked at her demeanour throughout the hearing and she didn't show much emotion that I could pick up on. Sometimes there were brief signs of frustration uh, or some annoyance, particularly as kind of these stories and the evidence mounted up. But from what I could see... I wasn't reading any signals. And when the first guilty verdict came down, the only thing she did was slightly shuffle her feet. So the one question we're left with is why? The catfish didn't get any money, no gifts were sent to her. She didn't seem to get any benefit from doing this at all. There are tons of YouTube videos of people explaining why they've catfished in the past. Initially, I was just, you know, it was a page to make myself seem more credible. I was not lying about my age. However, I was lying about what I look like. I wanted to honestly be something that I wasn't. I wanted to be pretty. I wanted to have long hair. I wanted to be Indian. I wanted to be Puerto Rican. I wanted to be light-skinned. It was just so much that I wanted within myself that I knew I couldn't get. But there's also been research done on it, including a study involving people who admitted to catfishing others done by senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Queensland, Associate Professor Eric Vanman. He says in his research, he found you can break up those who decide to impersonate someone online into a few different motivational groups. 
Well, we found about three subtypes of catfish. There are three main motivations that you can kind of group these people on. One group is just people who seem to be sort of lonely and cut off, and they find this medium of talking to people anonymously on the internet as a way for them to have intimate connections with other people. So they are really just doing it for some sort of intimacy that they wouldn't otherwise get. And then the problem, of course, is that they're going to somehow have to come clean one point and let them, the other person know who they really are. And that's usually when they cut bait and just ghost the person and disappear. So most of the time, I think when people are about to be exposed or they're being confronted about meeting for real, that's when they quit. And then now they're feeling a loss because they had this intimate connection with somebody and they feel sad about it afterwards. Another group of people we get are people who are just innocently being anonymous for some reason, like perhaps they signed up for a service where they had to say they were 16, but they were actually 14. And they become friends with somebody on the service with this fake identity. And then before they know it, they're now feeling a connection to this person, but don't want to reveal that they actually really are 14. So they sort of stumble upon it innocently. And then I guess the third group we get are, are repeat offenders who just keep doing this over and over again. They feel really guilty and terrible about every time they cut off this relationship with somebody. But then I think because they feel like this emptiness afterwards, they start it up again and do it again and again and again. That's a trend that we seem to find. There's a lot of YouTube videos of people who claim to have catfished others over the years. And they all seem to come from a similar motivation in that they felt that no one would like them in the skin that they're in, which is why they chose to present themselves as somebody else. Did you find that real, that factor of not being comfortable in their own skin and and not feeling like they'd be accepted for who they are? Yeah. Some of those people who want to make the connection to other people is because, for instance, they're exploring their sexuality and they really um, want to see what it's like because they can't openly be gay, for instance, in their a regular real-life environment, or they'd like to see what it's like to be another gender. So they try it out online and then find that they really like it and keep it up. So I think it's sometimes it's just that kind of thing, too, where people are escaping their normal sense of who themselves are and trying it out in this fantasy world. We do seem to see cases where there are people who are targeting people relentlessly, hooking them in and then taking them down these crazy paths of catfishing with no real explanation as to why they do it. In your research, have you figured out any reason why someone would maliciously catfish somebody for any length of time? We had about 100 catfish fill out some personality questionnaires. And the only thing that we found was that some of these catfish, the ones that are newer at it, um, are high in what's called Machiavellianism. And it's like a personality trait in which you like to manipulate people. And so some groups of these catfish were people who sort of get off on the manipulation. And I, I think that that's kind of what you're tapping into. It might just be something about them. Personally, they like to be able to control and manipulate. And maybe, again, because in their own life they can't control or manipulate somebody, and so they have a way of doing it this way through the online method. The fate of Lydia Abdul-Malik will be decided on June 6 when she's sentenced. But for some of the victims, the verdict has come too late. Sadly, Emma took her own life after what reporter James Oaten says was such a traumatic time in her life. Emma was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. She was suffering depression, anxiety, and after all the years of what she went through, She then had to relive it by helping police provide evidence. And that's tough, not just for this story, but a lot of victims of crime will tell you that 
giving that evidence to police is really tough. And certainly that's what Emma and Jess did. They had to relive a lot of these experiences. At least now with the guilty verdict, they can start getting some of the answers about what happened. And I don't have the answer why. Maybe we'll get more of that. But at least now there is the answer of what happened and in the eyes of the court, who is responsible. We reached out to Lydia to have her say on this story. She initially agreed to speak to us pending advice from her legal team, but eventually she sent us a screenshot from her lawyer warning her that anything she says could still be used against her at sentencing. So until she's free to tell her side of the story, we won't really know her true motivation. That's all for The Quickie today. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie.